Hello, and welcome back to the Iowa Type Theory Commute Weekend Grocery Edition, as usual these days under the virus. Um, so we're talking about, we've been talking about logical relations, and I took a little digression to tell you about a little of my own work on higher-order abstract syntax, uh, representing higher-order abstract syntax in pure lambda calculus. I'd like to talk about parametric models. <laughs> uh, um, so... I've been studying, um, you know, studying logical relations this semester. We're doing this in our reading group here, and uh, I've been just studying on my own pretty intensively. And <clears throat> you find these um, pretty interesting works that are trying to give uh, semantics for types um, from different type theories. Uh, as a they're trying to give a relational semantics for types, so they just the way we've been. It's very similar to what we've been speaking about. They're trying to interpret types as binary relations on something. Okay, we'll talk about what in a bit. But, and uh, so these folks are, different researchers are trying to give this kind of semantics for types. Say, like, I like let's say at least the types of system F. This is already like really quite interesting to try to do that. And so the idea is you're going to take a type of system F and you're going to explain what it means as a binary relation. And it's going to happen that these the semantics for types you define basically works out to be a logical relation. Um, that's what most people are trying to do. Or, I mean, something pretty close to that anyway. Maybe that's exactly what it is. But they have the same idea at their heart which is a thing we've talked about many times, which is that for like for a simple function type that um, in this case, we're going to say the meaning of the simple function type is the set of pairs of terms. We're trying to have a binary relation, so we're talking about sets of terms. A set of pairs of terms that map related inputs to related outputs. So um, similarly to what we talked about before for a logical relation the definition of what it means to have a logical relation. Uh, and so now what's interesting, what I, there's several points I'd like to speak about on this because I've been studying it kind of intensively and I want to share this a little bit. In fact, I think I'm going to write a blog post about this too to put it down in a written form. But um, yeah, so one question, basic question that comes up when you're trying to give this kind of relational semantics for types. Well, first of all, you might say, well, why? Why are we doing that? And a number of researchers have been doing that because they're ultimately interested in trying to describe certain kind of model for types. And then, you know, once you've sort of pinned down a model uh, or maybe a family of models or something, you can try to internalize properties of the model back into the type theory. So you could, you could use the model to justify adding some new principles that you are interested in. And the, the one, one of the principles that people have been very interested in is adding some form of um, representation independence, some which I will explain. So we'd like to have a reasoning principle. Um, first, we want to have reasoning principles that let us in some way say that two terms are equal at a type. This is like some kind of extensional equality. But here in this context of these relational, this sort of relational semantics, um, I mean the relational semantics of types, 
I mean, the ones I've been looking at and seeing are, uh, I hope I'm not grossly simplifying things or, or getting it wrong, but in many cases, it seems like what we're trying to describe are, what does it mean for two types to be, indis- two terms, sorry, to be indistinguishable at a type? Um, you know, so what does it mean for two terms to be indistinguishable at the nat arrow nat type? Okay, well, what it means is that if you give them equal nats, they're going to produce equal nats. So they have, they're extensionally equivalent functions. They behave the same way when given nats, okay? If you call them with something that's not a nat, if you call them with a nat to nat function or some other input, the functions might behave differently. It's conceivable, although a little hard to come up with actual examples like that. But... Um, but what it means to be related by the, you know, the binary, the relational semantics for a nat to nat says that the two functions uh, are related if they map equal nats to equal nats. Um, and, and, you know, we can generalize quite a bit beyond just that sort of simple, like, nat to nat sort of a type, in particular using polymorphic types. Um, for, if we're thinking about system F. Okay, so w- w- representation independence, though, is the idea that um, I'd like to be able to say that uh, at a high level, I basically want to say, suppose I have some typed interface. Okay, so this typed interface, it comes with a set of types, like abstract types. Now, like type variables, we could say. This interface says, well, there are these type variables there are these types called, and then here are type variables to represent them. And the interface says, and also you have to have these operations that have um, those types. So like, for example, if you have an interface for lists, you might say, well, you need to have, there's this type list, which this is a specification now I'm describing. So your implementation could implement the various things I'm describing in different ways. But you could say, if you say, I've got an interface for lists, you might have something like says, well, I've got, a, there's a type called list, and there's a empty, there's a function called nil that gives you an empty list, and there's a function called cons that takes, um, let's just be concrete and say these are lists of natural numbers. So it takes a nat and a list and gives you a list, and there's a function append that takes two lists and gives you a list. Okay, and that's, those are the operations of this interface. I mean, in type theory, we could want them to satisfy various equations and things like this. That would be cool, too. We could ex- try to express that. But for starters, we just say, we've got this typed interface. And now, what we want to do is we want to be able to say that two implementations of that, of such a typed interface, are equivalent. And But the kind of interesting point here, where we get this terminology of representation independence, is that... Um, the two implementations of the interface may, I mean, that's the whole idea, is they may very well want to use different actual implementation types for the list abstract type that's in the interface. So a good example of this is um, we might want to implement this interface using, like say we're working in Haskell. We might want to implement this interface using actual data type, the actual list data type, where nil is nil, cons is cons, and append is just the usual recursive append function. Okay, so then what we'd be saying is that's, that's, that's one implementation of this list specification. But there's another one that's actually pretty interesting in 
the context of functional programming, which is we could use what are called difference lists or Hughes lists, where after the inventor John Hughes, where we could um, instead of saying that lists, you know, we're going to implement lists as actual list data types, as with the actual list data type, we're going to say we're going to implement lists will be implemented as list to list functions. Where that that list now I'm speaking about is the actual list data type. So the list from my, list type for my interface gets realized by um, list to list functions, and with the idea being that these are functions which you give them the tail of the list, and then they they construct the you give them the, a second part of a list, and then they construct um, the first they construct the new list with uh, some data uh, glued onto the front of the list you give them. So nil is just the identity function. It takes in a list and just returns it because there's nothing to stick on the front of it. Um, uh, cons takes in a function and takes in, you know, not, that's the head, and it takes in a function for the tail and it returns a new function that builds cons of <laughs> uh, the, okay, this is getting a little too hairy to say through on the air. Sorry for that. Uh, but anyway, the point is we can we can pick a different representation type for the variable list. And now the idea of representation independence is we want to relate. We want to say if two implementations are indistinguishable, if sort of they the way they implement this interface works out the same, but you're not. Um, we don't want to count it against them that they're using different implementations of the list type. That's kind of private to the implementation. So we don't require that they give you equal like when you call append that you somehow get equal lists. What we require is that um, there is some relation between the the implementations uh, implement the implementation types for lists. Like say I have two implementations of this list interface, and I want to say they're indistinguishable. If there's some way of connecting their the list types that they have, which is, and that way is then preserved by the list operations. So it's very much like a logical relation, right? So we want to say that there's um, there's a way of of embedding the lists of the first type, not embedding, but of translating um, or of mapping in general the the lists in the first implementation to the second implementation, and that this way is then preserved uh, through the operations of the interface. And so that if you if your language lets you prove things are let's you prove implementations are equivalent when you're able to use this kind of um, change of representation for the implementations of some uh, abstract type from the interface like list then you have representation independence uh, and this is a yeah this is a really it seems like a basic reasoning principle that you would want to have and I think it definitely is for reasoning about software, right? You've different implementations of an interface. You want to be able to reason that they're equivalent. But um, it's actually, you know, a lot of uh, the type theories basically don't really support this. So, um, and let's see, I'm going to pop back in after the grocery store. Just a moment. Sorry about that. Okay, so parametric models uh, and representation independence. Now, this is where it's sort of kind of, I feel like kind of gets interesting. You're basically in these relational models, you're interpreting a type as this kind of indistinguishability relation. Okay, so you're basically saying I can't tell the difference um, between two implementations of the same interface. 
Now, that indistinguishability relation, well, you basically expect it to be symmetric and transitive, right? Because you, you know, if, if, a and, if A cannot be distinguished from B, well, then you certainly expect B shouldn't be distinguished from A, right? And similarly, if A and B are indistinguishable and B and C are indistinguishable, then wouldn't you expect A and C to be indistinguishable, right? But the funny thing is, like, that, that all makes sense to me, and, you know, people out there have got some models set up where, where that's how things work out. But the curious thing about this is that if you want to prove representation independence, uh, if you want to do these kind of arguments, you need the ability to work with asymmetric relations, right? If I want to relate two different implementations of the list interface, I need some re relation between their types, between the list implementation types. And that relation can't be symmetric, really, because the types are different. I mean, they're, they're like fundamentally different. Like, how am I going to relate... Uh, cons lists and um, difference lists. I mean, of course, I can I can definitely relate them, but that relation says, well, to go from a cons list to a difference list, you do this, and to do from a list difference list to a cons list, you do that, and they're they're definitely not the same. So, like, if I have a cons list related to a difference list, I don't expect to just be able to switch and say, oh, and the difference list is related by that very same relation to the cons list. There's a different relation, the inverse relation that would do the job. But one in the same relation can't take you back and forth in, in across two different representations. It doesn't make sense. So um, so that means, and it took me a while to understand all this as I was, it's not really too clearly discussed in the papers I saw. Um, that means that you, you may very well like to have an interpretation for your types where the types work out to be PERS, partial equivalence relations. In other words, symmetric and transitive. But if, but if you want to express representation independence arguments, you need something that's not a PER because it needs to be, you need in general to support asymmetric relations. Okay, so that's pretty interesting. And that means that the types um, that you, you, you're going to have to do something to give yourself, these two things are sort of intention, right? I want to have indis interpret a type as an indistinguishability relation. At the same time, I want to have asymmetric relations for representation dependence. How do you fit those two requirements together? Um, and uh, there, there are some interesting answers. So one answer is to be found in this paper of Krishna Swami and Dreyer called uh, gosh, I'm really sorry. I forget what it's called. Internalizing parametricity for extensional quality or something like that. Um, and uh, if you look for Krishnaswamy and Dreyer papers, you would find this paper um, about parametricity and extensional quality and blah, blah, blah. And in their paper, they impose... Um, they, they actually use a sort of interesting technical device that seems they, they they claim it's giving them this what we want that you can have asymmetric relations that um where we it's still we still work things still work out to have pers um and they do it using this thing called a quasi per which is this funny kind of requirement on a relation that uh where you can, if you have a quasi-per, 
So basically what happens is, to give the, the quick summary here as best as I can manage over there, is um, they say, well, we're going to interpret every type as a quasi-per, whatever that is. And if you have two related terms, and they actually go so far as to add an equality type to their type theory, which they just interpret basically as saying that, as, as just using the indistinguishability interpretation of the the, the type. Like you're saying T1 equals T2 at type A, they just say what that means is that T1 and T2 are indistinguishable at type A, using the semantics for the type to express indistinguishability. And um, But the funny thing is when they do this, they basically say, oh yeah, and we have symmetry and transitivity of our equality because what we well, what they actually have is that if T1 equals T2 at type A, and T2 is equal to itself at type A. We need self-relations, so we need to know that one of the terms of the equation is self-related before we get to flip the equation, okay? So you basically have T1 equals T2, and T2 equals itself, then T2 equals T1, okay, at type A. And similarly for transitivity, it's not just from T1 to T2 to T3, you get T1 to T3. Instead, you have to have T1 equals T2, T2 equals itself, and T2 equals T3. You say, well, why, what's the big deal about having all these self-relations? Well, these are PERS. The relations aren't automatically reflexive. And you need this sort of extra reflexivity condition to get symmetry and transitivity to work out. Which, um, with all respects to the authors, which it's, a, it's really a great paper, and I learned a ton from studying it, uh, I think that's a mistake. I think we want symmetry and transitivity just the way they normally are defined, not with extra conditions. Um, so, e even though in their case they say, well, for typed terms, the fundamental theorem of logical relations tells us they'll be self-related. So we're really just giving you symmetry and transitivity over typed terms, and isn't that good enough for you? To which my answer would be, but what's a typed term? For working with this relational semantics, we don't have an intrinsic notion of typing. We just have an intrinsic notion of being related. Um, anyway, I hope this wasn't too uh, just like <laughs> over the hill uh, discussion for today. I need to stop. Thank you for listening, and I hope you're well wherever you are.